What is emotional intelligence, or EQ? It is the ability to understand, use, and manage your own emotions in positive ways to relieve stress, communicate effectively, empathize with others, overcome challenges, and diffuse conflict. So how do we develop and build better EQ for ourselves? My next guest is going to tell you how. He is Dr. Greg Campbell. Now, Dr. Campbell is a retired law enforcement official of many years, and he is also the vice president of law enforcement and government at Talent Smart EQ. You do not want to miss this episode. Dr. Greg Campbell, next on the CJ Evolution Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in to the CJ Evolution Podcast, a top-ranked show because of you, the listener and supporter. If you love the show, please share this episode along with other episodes with your family and friends and give us that five-star rating and review. On Apple Podcasts, we sure would appreciate it. A special thanks to you, the criminal justice professional, the first responder, whatever you were doing, wherever you were at, thank you for doing it. And remember this. You are honored, cherished, and above all, you are loved. Please be safe. What makes Shatterproof a very unique program is it's one of the only programs in the country that first responders can go to that is 100% all first responders. Everybody's in pretty bad shape when they get here. And then 30 days later, when you can see the transformation and the difference in people when they've had 30 days uh, of counseling, working with therapists, working with a psychiatrist, getting the neuro treatment, doing the breath therapy that's done here. The transformation that happens with the clients is really humbling to be able to work around and see because people are getting better here. And it just shows that there's a need for the first responder community to deal with behavioral health issues and take them seriously and offer treatment to people that may need help out there. They should be afforded the ability to come get help when they need help. It has gotten better, but we still have a long way to go. Hello everybody, welcome back. I'm so excited to have my next guest on the show. He's got a ton of experience in law enforcement, and now he is the VP of law enforcement and government at Talent Smart EQ, Dr. Greg Campbell. What's up, buddy? Thank you for being hey. on the show. Hey, man. Thank you for uh, having me, Patrick. Uh, I've been looking forward to this day. I feel like a a, a horse, Patrick, that's at the K Kentucky Derby that you pull into the stall, and now you got to make them wait to the other 15 horses get in the get in the gate. I've been ready to go, man. The moment I met you, I'm like, I can't wait a month to get in, you know, to get in with them. So been looking forward to this. Day. Well, I'm glad you're here, sir. And, you know, you, you have a ton of law enforcement experience. Uh, you were a postal, you were the, the postal inspector, you know, the U S postal, uh, inspection service, right. You were the, yes. the, the person. Yes. And I, I, I can't charge you second and you charge. work with local agencies and doing, you know, all the stuff, the investigative stuff, all that stuff with the postal service. How is that like? Cause I really know nothing about, and I apologize, Greg, but I really yeah. know nothing about, I mean, I know the postal service, but yeah. what, what do, what do the postal inspectors uh, actually, and I hate to say this, actually do. I know I know they have an important function. Yeah, so th what thank do they you do for asking that. that. 
And it ain't the first time somebody's asked me that question, <laughs> believe it or not. If I was to call my mom right now, she'd tell you, Patrick, I work for some other three-letter agency. So <laughs> let me explain to you and the rest of your audience what I we do. It. Well, the Postal Inspection Service is actually the oldest federal law enforcement agency. Oh, wow. So before there was a DEA, before there was an FBI, there was the Postal Inspectors. Now, there is one other agency that tries to say to stake the claim, and that's the U.S. Marshals. But the Postal Inspection Service, Benjamin Franklin was actually the first postal inspector. Wow. And we, early in our history of our agency, we worked stagecoach robberies, bank robberies, train robberies. So we were that agency uh, it, when, the, when the country first began. And that's what I loved about the agency. Um, we, we investigate over 200 federal statutes from wow. fraud to identity theft to mail bombings, to homicides, to assaults, to drugs through the mail, international investigations. And that's what I loved about the agency. I have friends who work for you know, other agencies and they work drugs and then that's all they've ever worked their whole career or work for the FBI and they work robberies and that's all they work their whole career. I had a chance to work across the our organization's uh, platform from fraud to homicides to mail bombers, worked on the Unabomber case, worked on the Ricin case, anthrax case, um, that that touched the White House. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I've had a wonderful, wonderful uh, career, 27 years as wow. a federal agent. Wow. And, and I, I can't, I mean, because, I mean, you tell me, Greg, I mean, there's millions of, of parcels and letters oh, yeah. that come into the United States Postal Service on a, on a, on a daily basis, I imagine. Absolutely. So Absolutely. we have to make sure your job and other members of your team have to make sure those parcels, for one, don't have any nefarious items yeah. in them. Yeah. And and make sure there's no fraud and all that stuff. So I can't imagine the logistics yeah. and the and the manpower behind something like that. Absolutely. And that that was the excitement for me yeah. of getting up every day, knowing that you work in a job not only to protect and serve, but every household in America yeah. receives mail on a daily basis. And your job is to not only protect those citizens. But to protect the system, the United States Postal Service that that delivers that mail. Most people don't realize it, but you know, years ago, people received their checks through the mail. Now, in today's time, people, a lot of people receive their medicine through the mail. There's That's so true. Many That's true. That's true. Items that go through the mail. So, you know, uh, as a postal inspector, most law enforcement only work criminal investigations. Postal inspection service, we not only had the the responsibility for the criminal investigations involved in the mail, but we also protected it against natural disasters. So hurricanes, tornadoes, um, you know, 9-11, when that hit, our we had a post office underneath those towers. Wow. You know, all of those things come into play and you're dealing with natural disasters to get that mail back up and running so that people can get their finances, so that they can get their medication. And so that that's a, that's a, a career, I, I say, all law enforcement is the most noble um, profession, but it's really powerful when you know that that people are looking for that mail on a daily basis and how important it is. Well, and I've taken it, you know, I think a lot of people, well, I can't speak for anybody, but me, I mean, you take, I take the post service for granted sometimes. Okay. The yeah. mail's going to be there, but I, I fail to realize, and thank you for educating me, sir. The, the, the massive undertaking this is every day to make sure people get 
they need that yeah. everything keeps going. And obviously it starts with people like you and, and other wonderful people that work at the postal service. Yeah. And, and Patrick, that's not uncommon to hear that either, that, you know, you take the postal service for granted and, and that's not a bad thing from a, from a, a, a organizational standpoint. I don't think for this reason, the postal service, while I was working for the postal service uh, prior to retiring was voted the most trusted government agency many years in a row, over seven years in a row. What that does is it says that people know that their mail is going to come. You know, that rain, sleet, or snow, that model of the mail will be delivered, you know, no matter what what's yeah. happening, people trusted in that mail and, and, and grew uh, grown accustomed to, to believing that it would get there. And that's important. Um, we yeah. need systems in place. You know, uh, I, I went to Joplin, uh, Missouri one time, Patrick, and it was the the, uh, the worst hurricane uh, tornado that I had ever seen. Actually, it was the first tornado that I'd ever seen. And as far as my eyes can see, the whole city was flattened. Home wow. Depot, gone. Schools, gone. Hospitals, gone. Fire trucks balled up as if you took aluminum foil and put it into a ball. And it was my first time being outside of California and seeing a, 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 a tornado. And the thing that I heard citizens say what brought peace to that community, Patrick, was when the mail got back up and running. Yeah. So oftentimes wow. we only think about the mail going in the box, but people take comfort in believing that society is moving. Things are getting back to normal when mail delivery starts. So yeah. it's it's a huge role of, uh, that we played, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed every minute of my career. Well, thank you for your service, sir. And uh, well, let me, let me ask you this. So I remember, I don't know if you can answer this or not, Greg, but I mean, I'm, you remember when uh, like FedEx and, you, and you know, UPS and all these other carriers started to come to fruition. I don't know how many are there, but there, I remember hearing, you know, talking, this was years ago, but oh yeah, the U S postal service is, is dying and they're not going to be able to compete with, you know, all these other carriers, but it sounds like the USPS isn't going anywhere. I mean, it's yeah. been in existence for so long. It's reliable. I mean, you know, I mean, so what is, what's your take on that? Have you ever heard that before? Or oh, you absolutely. Probably have. I heard that many years and here's what I would say. Here's what we would say to our employees, because as I moved up in the organization and became second in charge of the whole country as a deputy chief postal inspector, I had the responsibility of inspiring the people who work for me. I say it this way, hurt people, hurt people, inspired leaders, inspire others. So as a leader, I pride myself in inspiring people. So as it relates to your question, I would say something like this to you and others. I'd say the same thing was said when the telegraph came about <laughs> yeah, that's thing, true. the same thing was said when the telephone came yeah. about the same thing was said when the fax machine came about and so and when the computer came about there's so much business being done uh think about uh all the packages that you receive at your house every day the computer internet is a wonderful place to buy online but those packages still have to get to your home true so the postal yeah. service has evolved over the years and that's why the Postal Inspection Service was such a, an amazing agency to work for because we had to adapt and change. With the times, yeah. You got to be resilient and you got to keep going. Yes, had to be resilient, had to be yeah. agile. And that's what I'm hoping to see in law enforcement today. Yeah, Our training, our training, law enforcement is different today due to budget constraints, due to hiring challenges, retention and recruiting of, of new police officers, due to social justice issues and in morale issues all of those things now that wasn't in play 
previously. You could actually do your job and focus. But now police departments are doing so many different functions as well. But police departments have to be resilient yeah. and agile in order to change. And I've been there. I've done it for over 27 years and have to demonstrate those skills. And that's why emotional intelligence is important. I wouldn't have called it that early on in my career. I didn't know what it was, but it's like life. You find yourself talking to somebody that's a little older, a little more mature, that's been through a, a, a few more things in life. And you go, oh, I do that. Oh, I do that. And you say, that's emotional intelligence. So what yeah. I hope to be able to do is just help police departments understand um, that emotional intelligence is not a soft skill or not just a soft skill. It's actually a power skill. And that's what I'm trying to, I get up every day to try to help police departments understand and take them to the, ne the next generation of police training. And that's okay. emotional intelligence. And that's amazing. And I know you talk to a lot of agencies. You're an author, you're a speaker, you're doing so much, brother. But and I love what you said about you either have to adapt or, or die on the vine, for lack mm -hmm. of a better word. Mm -hmm. You know, and I and I think what you're seeing and, and why I see, I can't speak for you, is sub agencies are clinging on to this culture within that doesn't work anymore. Yeah. You know, and and because they don't want to change. And the reality is, as you know, doctor. You're, you're going to either go with the change or go with it kicking and screaming yeah. because it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, know. you know, here's the way I like to say it. And I love the way you put it as well. And the way I try to communicate to communicate that to leaders of, of police organizations is I say this, and you know this because you worked in law enforcement. I said, before we stop a person on the street, we're going to get intelligence on that person. Absolutely. Hey, it, are, are you in Phoenix, Arizona? And it's a, you know, 110 degrees and you're wearing a big coat with a beanie on. Hey, that's a red flag. It's too hot for a big coat. Before we stop a car, we're going to get intelligence on that car. We're going to maybe run the plates. We're, we're going to know a little bit about how many people's in the car. We're going to know some things about that car before we pull it over. Before we go into a house and execute a search warrant, we're going to say who's living in that house. Are there any weapons actually, you know, assigned to that house or registered at that house? Who's getting mail at yeah. that house? Going to tell us a lot. So we get intelligence on people. We get intelligence on cars. We get intelligence on houses. But in law enforcement, we tend to fail to get emotional intelligence, intelligence on ourselves. Yeah. And that's all. That's what this really is about. It's important to know your own self. You can't lead others if you can't lead yourself. You can't protect and serve others if you can't first. Why is it why is it so them. hard, doctor, for, for people? And I, I think a lot of people like this, you correct me if I'm wrong in your assessment, that are so reluctant to do a deep dive internally. Yeah. And, and look inside and say, okay, these are my weaknesses. These are the, these are the things I have to improve on. Uh, I need to be constantly evolving, constantly being able to go to that next step. And I'm sure when you're out there, Greg, talking to people, you get some resistance because a cops, you know, I don't have to tell you, law enforcement, they don't want to appear as weak. You know, they don't want to appear as, you know, we got to, we got to appear, you know, macho all the time or whatever word you want to use. And they don't want to show any signs of weakness because that might seem to them that they're weak. And you know what I mean? To their part, I don't have to tell you, you know what I mean? Why is it so hard for, for, for law enforcement? I think the younger generations get a little better with that. But at our generation, 
you and I, and still a lot of cops on the job and law enforcement, doesn't matter what you're doing in law enforcement, federal, state, local. I think that's a lot of people out there that still think that way. I think it's part of the culture. Exactly. So you'll hear, you'll hear individuals uh, point their finger at law enforcement today simply because of the, and I'm going to say the few incidents that you see on TV, social media that have been magnified in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you'll hear individuals talk about um, what's taking place in law enforcement, the bad apples. The first thing that I tell people is I'm not interested in bad apples. I'm interested in the orchard. Because the that. orchard that's, that's cool. is yeah, the like culture. That. Now I'm a boy from the inner city of Los Angeles, Patrick. Don't <laughs> let me fool you, man. I don't know nothing about farming. I don't know nothing. But I've talked, I've been interested in, I've talked to farmers. Yeah. And I said this, you know, and I love talking, as you can tell. I said, I've never seen a farmer plant a seed on a Monday and say they have crop failure on a Tuesday. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. You plant the seed, you got to water. You got to fertilize, you got to till, you got to take up the weeds, you got to do all the work that goes in it before it produces the fruit. And Absolutely. we've become a society that's only focused to, in going to the store and grabbing the orange, the apple, the plum, the, the fruit of life. And we forget about how important the culture is. We forget about how important the orchard is. It's the orchard that produces the fruit. And the roots are important to the orchard. The roots of of an individual's life, yours and mine, is how self-aware are you? How do you manage yourself once you understand those emotions? And then are you aware of just your surroundings, social awareness, and how do you manage relationships? I'll say it like this. You know, how many of us have said something that we wish we can go and rewind it and take it back? Me. How many of us? (laughs) Hey, hey, me too. How many of us have hit sin on that computer? And wish we could recall that yeah. message. Yeah. I'll go a little old school. How many of us have dropped a letter in a, to a blue collection box and wish we could have the key to get it back out of there? Yeah. And that's life. Our brains, our brains, our emotions are, are the way we, we, we process information. We act on that information and we even listen to information. So people ask me all the time, well, Greg, who's your audience? Who's your audience talking about emotional intelligence? And I say anybody with a brain and anybody with a heart, because before you make a rational decision in your brain, it goes through your emotional brain. That's why emotional intelligence is important. And to get back to why is it so difficult? Because think about it. One of the toughest conversations I ever had in my life was with myself. Absolutely. Matter of fact, I'm working on my, my next book, Patrick. It's called Developing You. Uh, how to use uh, emotional intelligence to get through the challenges of life. Oh, geez. Got to have you back on that for that, brother. I write a letter to myself. The little boy from Compton, California, writes a letter to Dr. Campbell. And I I, I explain to the person in the mirror that I'm a boy from Compton who has six family members serving 25 years of life in California prisons. I don't have any family members. I don't have an Uncle Patrick or, you know, uh, uh, or Uncle Devin that have graduated from high school or college, from college, that I can use as my example. I yeah. didn't have any examples, Patrick. So when you think about people in certain, certain our life circumstances, our upbringing, our, our home environment, all those things influence us 
And then we start to fear. We start to fear, well, who am I? Yeah. What's my purpose? Can I make it out of this situation? And, and I like to say it like this. When you, when you say to yourself, I am fearful, it becomes your identity. When you say to yourself, I have fear about snakes or a particular thing, then it becomes an event. And too many people let fear become their identity and it paralyzes them. So we don't like to look in the mirror and policing law enforcement is one of those professions. Although it, it is an honorable and noble profession, sometimes we have gotten in a, 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 a complacent and we've done things for years the same way we've done them. You know, we shoot a thousand rounds and they develop habits. And that's a, there's a reason it protects, it saves our lives. But there comes a time where you have to adapt, be resilient, be, be flexible. And I think the time is now for training that 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 our our first weapon of choice shouldn't be our firearm. Yeah, it should be our brain. <clears throat> absolutely. That's what we're trying to do with emotional intelligence, give uh, people the skills to be able to use the brains. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and well said, sir. Yeah. I mean, and I agree with 100 percent. And I, I tell people sometimes, you know, look, for my for my experience, the hard you know, went uh, going back to what you said. Uh, Greg, a little bit. The, the hardest battle I have ever fought in the military. Yeah, it was tough. Law enforcement, as you know, hardest battles with myself. Absolutely. You know, I mean, yeah. the self-deprecation, all all yeah. those things that we get into our head. Mm -hmm. You know, and and something else you said. We as a society, I think we want the quick fix. That's right. You know, we, we think about social, you know, we're scrolling through social media, all right, we get 15 seconds of this. That's how we're conditioned now. And the reality is to improve, you know this, doctor, it's ongoing. Yes. Plant the seeds. Like you said, I love that analogy. Plant the seeds and constantly weed your garden, right? Yeah. Not only plant the seeds, but you got to make right. sure that you get rid of the weeds because yeah. of the weed and they're going to come. Yeah. Weeds being thoughts and negative people. Yeah. If you don't weed your garden. What's going to happen? Yeah. And, and, and Patrick, let's go a step further since we're already there. The the best flowers, my wife loves to garden yeah. and she talks about the value of pruning. And, I'm, and, and, and when you started to talk about your military career, you started to talk about, you know, being in policing and not wanting to change. Sometimes we get to a point where we have to be pruned. Oh, I love and if that. And if we're not pruned. <laughs> yeah. We won't get better. Sometimes, you know, boy, I, I tell you, I, I wish I would have learned uh, some life lessons and listened and learned them through wisdom or through other people's experiences. But there were things in my life where, where I had to hit rock bottom in certain circumstances. Amen. And I call that pruning. But Amen. that pruning was necessary in order for growth to occur. And, yeah. uh, and, and so what I think we're seeing right now in law enforcement is a pruning. Um, you're seeing a younger generation who we have to recruit from, yeah. you know, those who are going to retire someday, those older, old heads like us, you know, that have left <laughs> law enforcement. Yeah, you know, we we gotta, can't do it. Can't do it get out of there, old man. Yeah, we got to get out of there. And, and so in order to, to, to show them that how noble this profession is, you're going to have to do things different. You're going to have to train differently. We're going to show them uh, the value of this, this, this job differently. You're going to have to lead differently. You know, well, you're going to do what I said because you get a paycheck. That doesn't work you know, anymore. Today's time, we might have to explain why yeah. you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Hey, 
you 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 draw your taser in this situation because X, Y, and Z. You draw your firearm in this situation because X, Y, and Z. You use your verbal judo, your brain, in this situation because it can de-escalate. Yeah. A new yeah. word that wasn't around when we were going through. No, policing. it was ask, tell, but and now, take. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but now we can de-escalate yeah. a situation. It's just different. Yeah. And uh, we have to embrace that. In yeah, order because to I think forward. the younger younger people, the younger crew that are coming in, officers, and I've talked to many of them, the, the, and what the sense I get, and they say it in different ways, is, look, we we work to live. Yeah. We, we don't live to work. Mm-hmm. And you and I, if I can make that assumption, it was, you know, we, you know, we live to work. At least I did, you know, signing up for everything and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. And you do what you have to do to take care of your family. That's but me. it's to your point, doctor. I mean, now it's different. So we have to adapt. We have yeah. to change. We have to be malleable, Yeah, you know, as a profession. And the people who don't change yeah. as far as organizations, they're, you're the, they're the ones with the high attrition rates, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they're not going to be successful. Exactly. Patrick, I, I, I want to go back because you just you, you reminded me of something. I say this to police departments. I say hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. I said it earlier. And I say that because officer well-being is my number one focus when I get up in the morning. How can you protect the communities that you serve? If you're not good yourself, if there's not wholeness going on within yourself, I can only use myself as an example. When I first uh, became a federal agent, I was working undercover narcotics. I was working biker gangs. I was working street gangs, and I was good at it. I loved it, Patrick. I enjoyed every bit of it. But what I didn't understand is that I was having adrenaline rushes because I love my work so much. You said it another way. I raised my hand to do every assignment. And that's, you know, that's that type A. We're yeah. fixers. We're doing yeah. And just raising your hand, you're doing a good job. You want to be successful. You're also having adrenaline rushes in your brain. And then you come home, Patrick, and your wife say, how was your day? It was good. Where's the remote? That might, that <laughs> or, might work for two days. Or I'm going to go sit happened? somewhere alone and have yeah. a drink. Come on. Come on. That is. Or five five days. How was your day? It was good. Where's where's my drink? Where's my glass? <laughs> Thirty days. It was good. Where's my remote? And then all of a sudden you get to a point and your partner, your spouse, say, "We don't communicate. We yeah. need help." And then we don't. We're a part of a culture that's not accustomed to raising our hands to say we need help. Well, I like to say it this way: the absence of illness does not equal well-being. Yes. And sometimes in this profession, well we think, no, uh, well, my blood pressure is good. I'm not falling out or passing out. We don't think there's an illness. So we think we're good. And that's not absolutely true. No. You can you can not have a quote unquote medical illness, but not have well-being. And that's what I'm trying to point out to departments. It's It's important that you have peer mentoring programs. It's important now that we have, you know, uh, encourage psychological counseling and counseling programs in our departments. It's important that we have buddy programs that officers can go to another officer and share when they're struggling with something. That's critical if we're going to move forward. Hurt people, hurt people, inspired leaders, inspire others. And that's the message that I want to 
um, portray to law enforcement, my, my law enforcement brothers and sisters. I love it, brother. Now, what, what advice, Greg, and I'm sure you get this a lot. What advice would you give somebody right now uh, that is listening, maybe, um, that wants to get into law enforcement, doesn't, whatever, you know, state, federal, local, yeah. whatever. What advice would you give them today? You know, you know, I have a philosophy, no matter what profession that you want to get into. I say, go meet with people who Absolutely. are in that profession. Talk to as many people as you can. On so I have a 20, 20, yeah, go on <laughs> ride alongs. Um, you know, I have a 23 year old son and uh, he initially wanted to be, you know, looking at being a, a dentist and or optometrist. I said, well, let, let's go meet with some. Yeah. And, you know, so I try to get people to spend time with all the folks in that profession. How many of us, you know, went to school or college and we went there for one thing. And by the time we <laughs> left, it was something, it was something different. completely different, completely different. After you take that one class, I went to school to be an accountant. I took one accounting class and say, nope, not for, not for me. Yeah. I think I'm going to go into something else. And we don't know what we don't know. So I encourage people who want to be in law enforcement, go meet with someone at a police department. Police departments would love to share with you, you know, uh, the best parts about this job, this, the tough parts about this profession, going on a ride along and seeing how you can change someone's life and impact someone's life. Matter of fact, there was a case out of North Carolina uh, recently, uh, a 911 call came into a station, an officer gets the call on her computer, she responds, it was a little girl in a pool, Patrick. Oh, and geez. as she exits her car, imagine that, she's running to deal with this call it's a little girl in the pool and on her way, she realizes she can't swim. Oh, wow. This is the police officer. Yeah. She jumps in the water anyway, saves the baby, performs CPR, saves the baby's life. They, the news asked her, how did you do it? She says, I can't even swim, but I took this job to protect and serve people. Wow. Amazing. How wow. come we don't hear more of those stories? So if you go to a police department, learn about what happens behind the doors. That's how you know that this is a noble profession. Uh, I teach doctoral level students at a university. Got you know many doctoral level students. I've had three students do uh, recent dissertations on policing uh, and use of force. Here's what each one of those studies found, Patrick, eye-opening that the citizens that were a part of their study, their sample, their perceptions of police did not come from in direct interaction with police. Their perceptions of police came from media and television and other forms of media yeah. and not from direct contact. So what I'm telling police departments is we even need to do community policing different. Yeah not just coffee with a cop we should be training the public on here's what it is like to to do a traffic stop here's what it's like to draw that weapon and fire that weapon just to let them know we don't train to shoot a toe or to shoot a leg that's not how we train you know that's yeah. not we double tap triple tap and so they wonder why it was so many bullets shot well that's the way we train that's the way we're so trained education 
education absolutely very very important and it's reciprocal it goes both ways we need to change the training in law enforcement but we need to do a much better job of educating the public about the job that our men and women do on a day-to-day basis absolutely and well said greg and that incident you said with that brave uh, first responder that that officer that jumped into the pool i'm sure our, our audience members and I know you know this, know this, but that's happening every day. Yes. Thousands, tens of thousands of incidents like that yes. every day. Yes. Uh, in law enforcement and the vast majority of brave men and women who serve, doesn't matter what background you have, are good people. Yeah. They're not out there. Nobody, nobody gets up in the morning, Greg, you know this, kisses their whatever spouse goodbye, significant other or kids and says, I'm going to go out there and shoot somebody. Absolutely. The scary thing is, is that some people think that way, but it starts with what you said, doctor, better education. Yes. Educating people. No, that's just because you saw it on Instagram. That's not how law enforcement is like. That, that's right. That's <laughs> or or right. TikTok or whatever. That's right. And, and Patrick, that's where emotional intelligence comes into play, Absolutely. you know, self-awareness and then being able to manage yourself. You made me think about, um, I was one of the top agents we had when I first became a postal inspector, working narcotics, working mail theft. And then the organization moved me to a different assignment while I was working internal employees. I'm a street guy. I wanted to be out on the streets going through doors. And they moved me to a different team and made me the public information officer. Patrick, I almost (laughs) lost it. What what do you mean? I'm leading the team in arrest. I'm I'm doing my job. You're going to move me to a PIO? But somebody saw something in me exactly. that I didn't see in myself. You got to be the face, brother. That's right. And and that I needed to diversify my skills. You can you work drugs. It. Yeah, and I did it. But I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I was mad initially. I was upset. I was angry. A better word is I was angry. And I said, you know what? I got two ways to respond. I could, you know, have a, have a, uh, a growth mindset about this or a fixed mindset about it. And I decided to say, how can I be positive? This is what I did. I became the PIO. I don't mind speaking. I've been speaking, talking my whole life. I just didn't want to be behind a desk. And so I said to myself, how can I make this fun? I figured out what was the slow media days. I was in San Francisco, figured out which which days were slow media days. And you asked me a question earlier. And I told you, that ain't the first time I heard that question. Most people didn't know what a postal inspector did. So I started inviting the media in on slow media days to understand who are postal inspectors and what do we do? And I would give them tours around the office. I would lay out thousands of checks and say, here are the cases we're working. And it was just on the slow media days. And you know what I did? I developed some great relationships because I gave them something to do on their slow media days. But my goal was to get them to understand who we were as law enforcement officers and then the next thing you know happened, Patrick, anthrax hits. And they're calling you. They're and, going, great. There <laughs> you go. And now I'm the PIO. So I thought I was going to be bored. And it turns oh. out that I was handling one of the biggest crises this country has ever seen with the mail. And just like you said earlier, I just expect my mail to be in my mailbox. Now imagine everybody thinking that something could be contaminating that mail. So oh, yeah. my job was huge. And then I called on those relationships. I said, hey, all those people that I had invited in and became friends with, 
they now became my avenues to educate the public about anthrax. And so it's just a matter of when, when, when incidents take place, circumstances take place, are you going to respond or react? And when you are emotionally intelligent, you recognize those emotions, you understand those emotions, and then you manage those emotions. Yeah. I call it RUM, R-U-M. I love recognize, it. understand, and manage. And it goes back to, like, what, what do they say? I can't remember the exact statistic. 20% of life is what happened to us. 80% is how we react. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes. And and most of the time when you're acting on emotions in the moment, you're going to make the wrong decision. Yes. It's, especially if, if you don't use strategies. Yeah. And so the strategies that we talk about are simple. I can guarantee you, you've used them before. How many times has somebody said something to you that you didn't like, whether it was at home or at work, and you just said, you know what, I'm going to zip my lips and I'm going to count to 10. That's before a strategy. I my mouth. That's an emotional intelligence strategy, but it's just not saying something. Not It's thinking before you speak. Or somebody cuts you off in traffic. Oh, there you go. There you go. Just, Instead just, of, okay. I don't yeah. know what that person, this is where yeah. I have come a long way, Greg, because yeah. being a yeah. type A, I would have been, what? Yeah. yeah. But now so it happens. I'm like, well, deep breath, but yeah. I don't know what this person is going through. There you go. I don't know if they're get, racing to the hospital. I don't yeah. know if they're having a, a medical crisis themselves. Yeah. I, I have no idea. So I just let it pass. I was just getting ready to say another strategy. <laughs> I was getting ready to ask you, have you ever just taken a deep breath? Yeah. Just deep breath. Yeah. Just taking a deep breath. Just breathing. Yeah. It's powerful. Very powerful. Powerful. And I didn't learn this until I went through treatment. <laughs> Powerful. Well, most of us, Pat, I have to share this. I know we're talking about law enforcement yeah. uh, today, but we have a program, a pilot now that we're running in West Virginia, and we've been training inmates in emotional yeah. intelligence. And man, when I tell you, it has been changing their lives. It has changed some of them's lives. You're starting to see, you know, when you go to jails, you're segregated by race. You're seeing People with different races sitting next to each other. That's the awesome. last time I was on with him, Patrick, one of the inmates said, he said, Greg, Dr. C, I'm glad you're on today. He said, a, a gentleman on our way to class, and we're doing it Zooming. We're Zooming in the three different prisons in the West Virginia, and we're teaching this content. He said, one of the inmates passed out on the floor, had a medical emergency in front of me. He said, back in the day, before I took this class, I would have walked past him and let him die. He was a different race than me. He said, but because I took this class, he said, I saved his life. That is amazing. I, and, 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 and Patrick, the wardens and the superintendents of these three prisons, they just picked the worst of the worst, the, the, the toughest criminals. And they wanted, it was a pilot, just 24 individuals from three different prisons. And they were from different housing pods at the prison. And this is what the inmates told me, Pat. They said, the, there's a waiting list because you get the book when you take the course. E emotional intelligence 2.0 they said there's a waiting list on the pod to read the book wow i said wait a minute oh no i said we will send you more books to each one of those pods and we did that's that's how powerful this is it doesn't only impact law enforcement it impacts anybody Everybody. with a brain and anybody with a heart it will change your life amazing brother tell really quick tell us about talent smart yeah so Talent Smart EQ, 
is a company based off the book Emotional Intelligence 2.0, started by Travis Bradbury and Gene Greaves, and they wrote that book. And it comes with an assessment in the book. So when you buy the book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, in the back, you get a code and you can take an assessment to see where what are your emotional intelligence levels on those four skills that I've talked about. Mm -hmm. And that's important because emotional intelligence, unlike IQ, what your IQ is at seven, it's the same at 70. Personality, your personality is set by the time you're in your, your 20s or so. So what you are is what you are. There's a little variance where it can change. Emotional intelligence is a skill that you can get better at. So I like to say it this way. Emotional intelligence is not a destination. It's a journey. So if your skills are low in one area, then you can get better at it by, by learning the skills, practicing those skills, and practice actually makes you better at, at, at stuff. And we've all heard it, but it, it works with emotional intelligence as well. And so it's exciting. So, so at Talent Smart, they were focusing on the private sector and government agencies and started doing some work with police departments. And what they saw, Patrick, is misconduct started to mm -hmm. decrease. Use of force incidents started to decrease. Officer well-being was, was starting to, to be better. People don't realize the level of suicides that are in law enforcement. Yes. People don't realize the, the drug addiction and divorce rate that's in law enforcement. And again, focusing on um, that well-being, it's important. So what we start to see in departments, when you start to train officers in emotional intelligence, you start to see a sense of well-being. That department's culture starts to change. The orchard looks a little healthier. And now we don't have as many bad apples. And that's what this is all about. This is about yeah. officer well-being. And when you're whole and when you're healthy, you'll protect and serve your communities better. So we're seeing this content being used with new officers or, or academies. We're seeing it being used in mentoring programs, peer-to-peer -peer programs. We're seeing it being used by command staff and leadership development programs within the departments. So it's being used uh, in a number of different ways, de-escalation de training. And so I call it train one, train all. Once we train you in emotional intelligence, you can train across leadership, mentoring, um, uh, uh, training in general, and community policing. I love it, brother. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Changing lives everywhere. And if people want to find you and Talent Smart, Greg, and everything's going to be linked up in the show notes, yeah. where can they find yeah. you, brother? Oh, you can find me. I'm I'm not hard <laughs> to be found. You can find me on, on my email at Gregory, G-R-E-G-O-R-Y, Campbell, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L, -L, at talentsmart.com. You can even go to talentsmart.com and you'll find me there. You'll find our law enforcement content. You can follow me on LinkedIn. Love for you to follow me on LinkedIn. I'm not hard to be found <laughs> because I get up every day to help people get better. Better EQ leads to better lives. And that's what I do on a daily basis. So uh, Google me, um, talentsmart.com, gregory.campbell.talentsmart. You can find me. Dr. Campbell, thank you so much, my friend. It was an honor and pleasure having you on. Thank you for your dedicated service to this uh, great country. And thank you for helping people and making thank them you. better on a daily basis. Thank you so much, brother. I'd love to have you back on oh. in the future, my friend. Hey, I believe in relationships. It's the fourth skill, relationship management. And I've just collected you. I want to I want to <laughs> commend you, man. The, from the moment I met you, I thank said, you, sir. Th this is not a one-time thing. Uh, this is somebody that 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 I can connect with 
And uh, I, I'm going to tell you how what I, alre I already say. That's my brother. So, you know, <laughs> Patrick, you, you know, whenever you need me, you can call me and uh, just keep doing what you're doing, man, to help officers uh, become whole and healthy. Thank you, sir. Such a great show with Dr. Campbell, a very dedicated and passionate individual, dedicated and passionate about helping others. That's what it's about, folks. Check out the CJ Evolution YouTube channel. where You can see this interview along with many others. Thank you. Be safe.